Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank and I am the host of the show and happy you can join and listen. If you listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on movies. The show is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes direct to your device when they become available. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can also always get the show from our website, www.letmebendyourear.com. I want to discuss the 2018 film Roma, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, This film is one of the films that Netflix has released into theaters in advance of award season, so it had a limited run in theaters across the country, and it is now available actually on the Netflix streaming service, so you can get it on Netflix right now. That's where I watched it. Now, a little background on the director. Uh, He's a very acclaimed director. He directed the film Gravity, which he won an Academy Award for Best Director. Uh, I have not seen that particular film, but uh, my experience with Qualen's work is he's, in my opinion, directed what I still believe is the best Harry Potter film, which was the third one, The Prisoner of Azkaban. I absolutely love that movie. It's still, to this day, my favorite Harry Potter film. So uh, definitely I'm a big fan of his work from there. He also directed a film called Children of Men, which is also very good with Clive Owen and Julianne Moore. He also directed A Little Princess back in the mid-90s, a children's story that I also thought was very good. Uh, So very good director that's uh, made some very good films. Uh, So I was very excited to look at Roma uh, on advance of all the acclaim that it has received uh, and uh, basically universally acclaimed. And it's already, I think, a front runner probably for both Best Picture and Best Director, and if not Best Picture, probably Best Foreign Film. I don't know if Netflix producing it will qualify it as a domestic or a foreign film, uh, so we'll know once the awards uh, are announced or the nominations, excuse me, are announced for Roma. So the story of Roma is an autobiographical one. Uh, Quaron wrote, directed, and actually photographed the film. Uh, so he's a director of photography as well. So it is the story of a nanny slash uh, maid named Cleo who works with a family, works for a family in 1970s Mexico. Now this film is autobiographical. Uh, It is about Cuaron's family and he decided to tell the story of this particular nanny who was an important influence in his life and his family's life. So as the movie progresses, uh, you get uh, a lot of the story of Cleo, her life outside of work her interaction with the children, and uh, as the movie develops, there are some things that occur in her life. Uh, specifically, uh, she meets a, a, a man and has a essentially relationship with him, and she ends up becoming pregnant, and they kind of uh, go through that story. Uh, as that's happening, the family that she works for is a, a doctor, is a husband, and then the homemaker wife. Uh, who's taking care of the kids along with Cleo, and uh, there's some friction in that marriage, and he ends up leaving the family uh, at some point uh, 
to what is described as going on a work trip, but he's gone for an extended period of time, and you start to see the breakdown of that marriage. And the third thing that's kind of going on in the film is uh, political unrest in Mexico itself. Uh, there's a uh, harrowing scene in the film uh, regarding a protest that devolves into a riot uh, that uh, ends up involving Cleo, who is pregnant, um, as she's shopping for furniture for uh, her her child. So the film, as I stated, is uh, been met with universal acclaim. Let me talk about the good things about the movie. First of all, the cinematography is beautiful. It's shot in black and white. Uh, even though black and white vibrant, the cinematography and camera work are spectacular. There are very spectacular visuals in this film uh, that I enjoyed watching extremely uh, or um, very much. So the visuals uh, in the film are, are spectacular. Not surprising given Kawan's visual flair in his films. All of his films have a very distinct visual style, uh, always uh, pushing the boundaries of visuals uh, and giving you something to look at that's beautiful. So the, the film is beautifully composed. The shots are beautifully composed. Uh, again, not much of a surprise. Uh, another good thing about the film, uh, the lead performance of Cleo is played by Yalitza Aparicio, who is actually, I guess, never acted before. So she's basically a novice actress. And I found it to be very good, very compelling as, as Cleo. The rest of the cast is good as well. Uh, they're uh, actors uh, uh, that I'm not familiar with, so obviously I'm not familiar with their work. Uh, there are no American actors in the film, so uh, again, uh, it's, a, it's a foreign cast, so I'm not familiar with their work, but the cast is good. The children are good in the movie. Uh, the, the mother uh, of the children is good, uh, so a lot, of, a lot of good acting in the film. There, which leads me kind of to my issues with the movie. So as I tweeted out, I did have some issues with the film. Um, the movie clocks in at over two hours. It's about two hours and 15 minutes. And unfortunately for me, you can kind of feel it. Uh, I think the film was intentionally made to be a meditation, kind of a slice of life, kind of a look at the everyday life of his nanny and kind of wanting to explore that. I think in interviews he stated that he wanted to uh, make this film as a tribute to her and the positive impact that she had on his life. And the problem with the movie that I have is, unfortunately, I get that feeling not enough in the film. So even though I describe three separate things that are going on, the political unrest, uh, the life of Cleo and her life outside of taking care of the kids and the family, and the, uh, the breakdown of the marriage between the doctor and his wife, uh, that seems like that's a lot going on. But unfortunately, the pace of the film is really slow. Uh, and unfortunately, that kind of really hinders it from me giving it a full-on uh, recommendation of it being a brilliant film. I think there's brilliant aspects to the movie. Uh, there are two scenes in particular in the movie that are fantastic. There's a scene that happens about midway through the film uh, that I'm not going to give away so you can watch the film. That's spectacular. And then there's a scene at the end of the film that is very moving uh, and, and underscores the importance of Cleo to the family and it's beautifully shot and it's very moving and the thing about that scene was as beautiful and moving as it was it just really reminded me that I would have liked to have seen more of that throughout the movie uh, so like I said unfortunately it, like I said it, it's it's paced a little bit too slow for me I think 
a lot of the critics uh, that love the movie are okay with that pacing and and the performances and the cinematography and 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 all of that and the exploration of a character which normally i'm fine with but even with something like that and i don't even have an issue with a film that's paced a little bit slower than your normal film but but it's got to be still paced to the point where um, i'm fully engaged and unfortunately and a lot of times in roma as beautiful as the movie looks uh, a lot of times i wasn't fully engaged because i think the pacing was much too slow and like i said the two scenes that, that i mentioned previously are are beautifully done and, and wonderful scenes uh, unfortunately i just wish there were more of those so i think this movie is kind of running into this thing that happens with with films that are that are acclaimed i think you know the 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 universal acclaim for the movie kind of heightens your expectations as you watch it uh as well it should and i think uh people kind of gravitate toward things about the movie uh, that they love that I think most audiences will not love as much and will have kind of the same issues that I had with it. Uh, I read a, a f about five or six print reviews of Roma and uh, probably of the five or six that I read, I think four of them were glowing in their response to the film and their love of the movie, uh, calling it basically the best movie of the year. And two of the reviews that I read kind of were more on the path of what I think about the film. Uh, they, they, they complimented the wonderful things about the movie, but felt uh, that it uh, wasn't engaging enough to give it you know, a, a perfect review or a five-star review or to say it's one of the best movies of the year. Uh, I think those other two reviews, while not negative, I think pointed out just some of the issues uh, with the film that I actually agree with. I do think, uh, again, I think the pacing is not as 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 smooth as I would have liked it to be, and like I said, it's a, it's a meditation on a family. It's a meditation on uh, her impact on the family, on Cleo's impact, and I think it's deliberately done that way. And that's a decision, creative decision that he made. And uh, it's just something that I wish would have been. Uh, I wish there was kind of more to it. And I think, uh, unfortunately, I think there's an emotional part of it that was missing for me because uh, it almost told it. It seemed like almost like a documentary, and that's not to say that as an insult because there's some there's some brilliant documentaries that are made, but I just think with his thought on tribute making this tribute to his 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 nanny, and the uh, huge impact that she had on his life, uh, I, I would just think a movie about that and his passion for it as you as he obviously has would have resulted in a more passionate engaged film about it, and I think that's really my main criticism of it but again you know he's a brilliant filmmaker I'm a big fan of his like I said this is just one of those ones where I think this is a good film I don't know if it's a great film uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm in the minority of saying that it's a good film not a great film so based on that uh, and my issues with it uh, I'm going to give Roma directed by Alfonso Cuaron three Van Goghs out of five uh, so if you have any comments about that feel free to hit me up on Twitter with that uh, again, uh, Roma is available on Net uh, Netflix right now to stream. Again, Netflix actually has released this film. Uh, I think it's playing in theaters uh, and limited release around the country. But if not, you can stream it right now on Netflix. So uh, if you want to check it out, let me know what you think uh, about Roma. I wanted to discuss the death of film director Penny Marshall. Uh, she died a couple of weeks ago. 
this is the first opportunity, your first podcast I'm recording since her death was announced at the age of 75. I wanted to talk about her for a couple of different reasons. Uh, One, let's start with her career briefly. Obviously, most people know her, or a lot of people know her, uh, depending on the age as an actress, uh, most famously in Laverne and Shirley. Her brother, of course, uh, is Gary Marshall, the creator of Happy Days, The Odd Couple, uh, a lot of sitcoms in the 70s, Mork and Mindy, and Laverne and Shirley, which was also a spinoff of Happy Days. So obviously she played Laverne. I watched Laverne and Shirley when I was a little boy and enjoyed the show. It was funny and enjoyed her on it. And uh, that's really what I know her from. I know she did a lot of appearances in other shows in the 70s. But obviously she was mostly well known for Laverne and Shirley. And then in the early to mid 80s, uh, when I was a teenager and my interest in film started to pick up and become more uh, a part of my life, I had noticed uh, a film released in 1986 entitled Jumping Jack Flash that had starred Whoopi Goldberg. So at the time, Whoopi Goldberg was just becoming a movie star, obviously, after starring in 1985's The Color Purple, directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, She was known as a stand-up comedian, had her one-woman show on Broadway. So this was uh, the first film, uh, I don't know if it was the first film post-Color Purple, but definitely around that time. And in my interest in movies, I always looked at uh, being the film nerd that I am, you know, who directed it, who wrote it, who starred in it. So I remember looking at either a commercial or some kind of print advertisement for Jumping Jack Flash and then noticing that the director was Penny Marshall. And I was like, wow. Uh, a couple of things struck me is that one, a, a television actor, actress making the leap to directing film. So you got to remember back in the 80s, that wasn't really a common thing. So to see her name attached to the director was uh, uh, kind of a new thing and kind of surprising. And then the second thing, of course, her being a woman director. So Uh, Not that there were not women directors before her or working at the same time that she was working, but to see uh, a well-known actress uh, directing a major motion picture uh, was something that I, I, even as a 15, 16-year-old, I noticed as something that you didn't see very often. So I saw Jumping Jack Flash. It's a, uh, you know, pretty by-the-numbers kind of comedy thriller. I think that was trying to, you know, really use the skills that Whoopi Goldberg has. So, I mean, the movie is pretty forgettable. I only saw it once. Uh, I don't think I've seen it since then. So, obviously, so that's 1986. And two years later, 1988, a film called Big comes out. So, stars Tom Hanks. And I remember, again, you know, looking at uh, who's credited uh, as the creative team behind the movie. So, you notice a couple things right off the bat. Tom Hanks, uh, whose star was rising at the time, he had already started 1984's uh, Splash, which made him a star, and then he was in Bachelor Party, which became a cult favorite movie from the 80s. Uh, So Big really kind of solidified him, I think, on his path to becoming a major movie star. Uh, But the screenplay was actually written by Ann Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's sister, and then this film was also, I noticed, directed by Penny Marshall, so I had noticed her first film a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of years before, in Jumping Jack Flash, and I was seeing her directing this film. Uh, Interestingly, Big was supposed to star Robert De Niro, but ended up the role ended up going to Tom Hanks instead. I think Robert De Niro dropped out or something happened uh, that he ended up not doing the movie, um, which is funny because he'll end up, uh, Penny Marshall will end up working with uh, Robert De Niro, and I'll talk about that in the next movie that she makes after Big. But uh, Big opens, um, I see it in the movies, 
loved it. Loved everything about it. Loved Tom Hanks' performance. Loved Robert Loggia's performance. Um, it also had John Hurd, Elizabeth Perkins. And it's a very, very good movie. Uh, the, like I said, the performance is, is spectacular to the point where Tom Hanks was actually no nominated for an Academy Award for his performance in Big. Uh, gave a great performance. You, you totally buy him as a 12-year-old uh, boy stuck in a man's body, and he navigates the world as an adult, even though he's still a kid. Um, the thing that's great about the movie, I mean, it's a high-concept uh, story to the point where there were basically, I believe, two other movies around that time that had the exact same premise. So it's either body switching or, you know, grown-up man that's really a little boy. There was a movie, I believe, with... Dudley Moore. I think there was another movie with I think Kirk Cameron starred in it. So there was a, there was a, there was a kind of a subgenre in the late '80s of of really of body switching, and the only one that was really any good was Big. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with one Tom Hanks, and two of course Penny Marshall's direction. And I think I started to notice in Big just her type of direction is she was very she was able to successfully marry comedy and drama in the same movie. And it not come off as manipulative or cheesy. It was just, you know, good. You know, a lot of great scenes in the movie. And, of course, everybody remembers the scene when Tom Hanks and Robert Loggia are playing the giant floor keyboard in A.F.A.O. Schwartz. Uh, so scenes like that come to mind. And, and just a memorable performance by Tom Hanks. So that was 1988. So two years later, in 1990, uh, Penny directs a film entitled Awakenings starring Robin Williams and Robert De Niro, who, as I stated earlier, was the original star, was going to be the original star of Big. So this film is based on a true story uh, about a doctor in New York City. Uh, I think it's Oliver Sacks is his name, if I remember correctly. I didn't look it up before I recorded. But his work with people that are in a uh, catatonic state, um, it was, he did some very interesting work. And the story centers around Robin Williams, who's playing Dr. Sachs, and Robert De Niro, who is a patient of his, and the the thrust of the film has uh, Robin Williams' character, and actually his name is Dr. Malcolm Sayre, I take that back, and Robert De Niro is in a catatonic state, and as the movie progresses, you start to see through the treatment that Dr. Sayre employs, you see breakthroughs in Robert De Niro's character who plays Leonard Sayers, or Leonard, excuse me, Leonard Lowe. So you see breakthroughs in the movie kind of documents his gradual return to lucidity and, um, and reconnecting with the people in his life and kind of is a character study of the doctor himself as well. So two great performances by De Niro and by Robin Williams. Uh, the film was nominated for Best Picture that year and I think that actually generated the famous Billy Crystal joke in uh, if I remember correctly it it, uh, it generated that famous joke that he told at the Academy Awards when they when he does his famous opening monologue where he basically states that uh, Awakenings uh, the movie that directed itself or actually that might have been Prince of Tides with Barbara Streisand so I take that back but this movie is actually kind of the precursor to kind of that so the movie is nominated for Best Picture, and yet Penny Marshall is not nominated for Best Director, which is kind of odd. And it does happen with male directors as well, but it is kind of ridiculous that when it's a female director, it seems that the Academy recognizes great works 
by female directors and nominating them as, as rarely as they are nominated and uh, chooses not to nominate them in the director category. Now I know the entire Academy votes for the best picture and I believe the Directors Guild votes for uh, the director nominees. So I don't know if that's the reason, but uh, again, a little bit silly that a movie that's considered one of the best movies of the year and the director of that film is not nominated. Uh, so again, uh, great movie if you've seen it. I don't know if it did well financially. Um, like I said, I saw it in the movies as well. I thought it was very good. Uh, I would definitely recommend it if you have not seen it. And uh, two years after that, um, we're going to get into probably what is her most famous film, and that is A League of Their Own. Now, this particular movie is one of my favorites, and I found myself as I was looking at uh, Penny Marshall's career and reflecting on what she's done in her career, I found myself actually being guilty of kind of uh, the same thing that I think Hollywood is guilty of with women directors. Um, there's a lot of sports films uh, that are well done, and I think the ones that always get mentioned are, if you're going back in time, Pride of the Yankees, uh, Slapshot in the 70s, Bull Durham in the 90s, or 88, that movie came out, which is one of my favorite films, and actually, I speak about Bull Durham in one of my early podcasts, and, you know, a lot of sport, The Natural with Robert Redford, a lot of these films get discussed as what are the best, you know, sports movies of all time. And I saw League of Their Own when it came out in 1992, uh, directed by Penny Marshall, written by Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel, who actually um, also worked uh, as producers on Happy Days. Uh, so she was collaborating with uh, some people from her past. And actually, if you are a fan of uh, Laverne and Shirley, if you do remember, and if you've seen League of Their Own, the announcer for the games, if you remember, is Squiggy uh, from Lenny and Squiggy. So Lenny was played by Michael McKeon, and then Squiggy, uh, was uh, actually cast in a league of their own, and I don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head. Uh, he's actually a big baseball fan and actually uh, was a scout for, I think, the San Francisco Giants legitimately. Uh, he has a big love for baseball, but he's in the film as well. Also, uh, uh, another character from Laverne and Shirley, uh, Carmine, was in it, the big ragu, if you remember his character. He was in that scene when the girls sneak out of the hotel and go to uh, a dance bar and dance with a bunch of soldiers the other day, so he plays a soldier that dances with uh, Madonna. So a couple of people from her past. But I saw League of Their Own in 1992 when it was released in the movies and loved every minute of that movie. It is a great movie. I've, I own the movie. I've seen the movie probably over 30 times, and it's just as great. I would also argue Tom Hanks reuniting with, uh, with Penny from Big gives probably, in my opinion, one of his greatest performances ever. And this is a man that's won two back-to-back -back, uh, Academy Awards. I think in the League of Their Own, he's a supporting player in the movie, but he's fantastic as the manager. Hilarious, you know, dramatic. And again, A League of Their Own, I think, really cements her as a very good director of both comedy and drama, and a, just a very good director, period. And, and when I discuss sports movies for some reason, and I don't know why, sometimes I forget about A League of Their Own. And I heard uh, another commentator, I forget where, when, um, when news of her death broke, he kind of had the same opinion. He's like, I'll tell you what, I, don't, I, I never really think about League of Their Own a lot of times as, as one of the best sports movies ever, but I'll tell you this much, anytime that movie's on TV, I sit and watch it till the end, and I think that's a great compliment for any movie. 
uh, when a movie comes on TV and you're in the middle of something and you start what you're doing and you always watch it to the end, that is the sign of a fantastic film. And this film is a fantastic film, and A League of Their Own is definitely one of the best sports movies ever made. And I think what actually puts it a cut above other sports movies is one of the great things I love about film and about movies is if, especially when they're based on true stories, not that they are completely accurate or they tell the story exactly as it happened because you never get that. Obviously, dramatic license is taken in any kind of film that's based on a true story. But A League of Their Own, and which is what I love about movies, is it educated me about something that I didn't even know existed. So the, the all-professional women's baseball league, I had no idea that existed. And I'm a pretty hardcore sports fan. Never knew that existed. Never knew that when soldiers and the men were drafted to World War II that they started a women's professional sports league. So to get a movie that educates you about something that you did not know about in pretty recent American history, you know, within the last, you know, at the time the movie was released, within the last 50 years before the movie came out, to get educated on that type of about type of thing that happened in this country that you didn't know about uh, was pretty uh, fantastic and it was great to watch it and the performances throughout the movie are fantastic gina davis and laura petty as the sisters uh, john lovitz has a small but memorable role as a scout uh, it, it's a fantastic movie and the movie holds up and i love it so uh, penny marshall i think probably at that point in my opinion was at the peak of her uh, directing prowess and that's probably uh, her best film uh, she directed a couple more films in the 90s um, I did see the preacher's wife which was a remake of the film I believe David Niven was in the original uh, film and uh, that had Denzel Washington Whitney Houston and Courtney B Vance uh, decent movie good acting in it uh, she was uh, she also directed a film riding in cars with boys in 2001 that starred Drew Barrymore I did not see that movie um, and she also directed Renaissance Man, another movie I did not see as well. And I think Danny DeVito was a star of that. Uh, her work uh, was not as frequent uh, after the year 2001. Uh, she directed some television. And uh, it looks like, uh, from what I've heard in the tributes uh, that I've seen and read about her so far, she actually completed a documentary of all people Dennis Rodman. So she's got a documentary that's in post-production. Uh, so I think she shot it all. And uh, the post-production process is happening now. So she's going to have one more film uh, that's going to be coming out on Dennis Rodman. So I think it may sound surprising why Penny Marshall uh, and Dennis Rodman. So I think when you hear that, you go, wait a minute, that doesn't seem to make sense. But if you know Penny Marshall, one of the things in her life that she was passionate about was sports. She was a huge sports fan. Look, she's from New York. Uh, she obviously lived in Los Angeles the majority of her life and was a huge Los Angeles Lakers basketball fan. So, of course, Robin played for the Lakers uh, for a time uh, when Shaq was there. Um, so I think, uh, obviously, she interacted with Rodman, and I think her passion for sports led her to do this documentary. So it's not that surprising when you kind of know what she's about and uh, and was, was involved in. So the last thing I want to talk about with Penny Marshall is her impact in Hollywood. So women directors are becoming a more and more common thing that you see, which is great. Um, I think Penny Marshall's historic relevance in the directing field cannot be underestimated. So not only was she a television star that broke through into making films, she was a woman. So she had pretty much, like I said, in the 80s, that's not something that happened very often. So she had 
pretty much two things going against her, and she um, basically uh, overcame both to be the first female director to have a film that grossed $100 million, and she did it twice. She did it with Big, and she did it with A League of Their Own. And uh, Anna DuVernay, the, uh, the director of A Wrinkle in Time, uh, had a very sweet tribute to her uh, on her Twitter when on the day she died, basically thanking her for the trails that she blazed. And I think that's a, a very apt uh, description for Penny Marshall. She was definitely a trailblazer. Uh, she was working in a field that was dominated by men, that is still pretty much dominated by men, and succeeded uh, beyond expectations for the time so like i said for any filmmaker to gross 100 million dollars on a film is, is quite something and back then it was was really something i know now with all the tentpole pictures 100 million dollars doesn't seem like a lofty goal anymore but back in 1988 when big came out that was a huge huge amount for a film to gross and for a woman director to do so so uh, i just wanted to discuss penny marshall her career her place in history of female directors. Hopefully she will be uh, respected for the place that she's earned uh, as a trailblazing director, a, a trailblazing female director who gave us some excellent, excellent films. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on any one of the following podcasting apps, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or CastBox. You can also subscribe to the show's YouTube channel, under Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Follow the show on Twitter. The handle is at Bend Your Ear Pod. This is also the handle for Instagram. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please send us an email. That email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, if you do listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. If you listen to the show on a different platform but have an iTunes account, please rate and review the show on iTunes. This will help raise the profile of the show in search results. If you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please share it on your social media. Again, thank you for listening and take care.